Well, we are entering now into our second week into our new sermon series in the book of Ruth. And I've entitled our sermon series, Redeeming Love. Redeeming Love. I know some of you were not here last week. That's okay. We'll catch you up real quickly. Uh, Many of you have read the book of Ruth. If anything else, because it's one of the shortest books in the Bible. I remember when I first bought a Bible, I thought, where's the shortest book I can start with? (laughs) And I remember reading Ruth a few times. It's a beautiful story, and I want to take it slowly. So we're in week two. We'll probably be in here about six weeks or so, pausing for Easter and some other things, of course. But uh, what I said last week was, and one thing I want to reiterate, is this is a beautiful love story that has a human element and a divine element, and I don't want us to separate either one. There are some of us that see the beautiful human love story, and we miss that this points ultimately to God's love for us in Jesus Christ. But then there are some who make a beeline to the cross and make this all about Jesus, and they actually miss the beauty of the humanity of this story. So let's not separate those two. Let's keep those two together. So last week, as we entered into the first six verses of the book of Ruth, we entered into a world of brokenness. And we talked about in the midst of that brokenness that we're all susceptible to being broken because it's the world that we live in. And we entered into this universe where Naomi had just lost her husband and her two sons. She had no money. She had no support. And it was time for her to turn around and go back to the home that she abandoned in disobedience. She was at her bottom level of brokenness. Last week's message was entitled, uh, Putting Our Pieces Back Together Again. Well, now that last week we dipped our toes in the water, now we're going to get knee-deep into it here in week two. And as we talked last week about brokenness, what I want to talk about today is in the midst of that brokenness, what it is that we look for more than anything else. And the word that I'm going to talk about today is loyalty. Loyalty. The title of our message here today is A Longing for Loyalty. A Longing for for loyalty. It's something every human heart longs for in a broken world, I promise you, and I'll prove it to you in a second, but maybe I should define the term first. All right, here's what loyalty means to me in my own words. Did not get this from a dictionary, but as I sat down and said, how could I define the word loyalty? Here's my best shot. You got a better definition, let me know, and I'll erase this one, okay? Loyalty. The determination to stay sacrificially committed to a person, a place, or a cause, regardless of the pressures or challenges of a broken world. I'll say it again for the note takers. Loyalty is the determination to stay sacrificially committed to a person, a place, or a cause, regardless of the pressures or challenges of a broken world. That's loyalty. And I long to see it, and you long to see it, and I'll prove it to you. Let me just offer a couple of spheres of life in which we're longing to see loyalty. How about friendships? We're longing to find people who will put everything aside and be by our side when we need them the most. What about families? We're longing to see parents and siblings who stick up for one another and stand by each other no matter what. What about marriages? We're longing to see and have marriages where we know that our spouse's eyes and hearts do not wander. What about jobs? We're longing to have bosses who reward hard work, and bosses are are longing to find employees who are committed to the big picture, to the long term. What about community? We're longing to see neighbors who are committed to one another, looking out for each other. 
What about country? We're longing to see a, a military who is willing to sacrifice their lives to protect our freedom. And what about our church? Churches are dying to see a pastor who's not going anywhere. And they're longing to see members who stop hopping from one church to another and says, I'm going to lay my preferences aside and I'm in this place until that pastor puts me in that ground over there. We're longing for that. The world is begging to see it. Christians are commissioned to show it. And yet we still come up empty. We're still looking for it. We're hungry for it. We're looking in every direction. And can I say this? Looking for loyalty is why I came to this church what would have been eight years ago. January of 2010, I was invited by uh, Mr. Eddie Jones to come and preach Baptist Men's Day. It's the first time I ever preached in church. I remember clinging to this pulpit, thinking I would blow over with a gust of wind if I didn't. First time I ever spoke uh, a word of the Lord from a microphone, and I remember how I felt before, during, and after. I remember the hugs and the embracing that I experienced afterwards. And then I remember several weeks later when I went back to the church where I was and just started longing to come back and maybe visit for a little while. What was it that drew me to this church? Well, first of all, I believe it was the Spirit of God because He had a purpose for me here and still does. But I have to share with you, and I've shared bits and pieces of my testimony over the years. I am one of many people in this room and in this world that comes from a broken home. My parents divorced when I was 13. My world kind of spun in a thousand circles after that. When I graduated high school, I got as far and as quick as away from Philadelphia as I could and went to college at Georgia Southern. And when I graduated, it started a journey that took me through five states over the course of a decade. And uh, things were very unpredictable. And I longed to see a place where people demonstrated loyalty. Now, I don't do this to embarrass anybody, and I don't do this to say that we're a perfect church because we have our warts and wrinkles like everybody else, but I want to ask you to uh, humor me for a second, okay? I'm going to name three categories, and if, if you fit in one of these categories, I just want you to stand for a second, all right, and remain standing. Some of you fit into multiple categories, but if you're in one of these three, I want you to stand up. Number one, if you've been married for more than 30 years, stand up. Number two, if you have been at the same church for more than 30 years, stand up. And remain standing if you can, if you, if you physically can. And then number three, if you've worked in the same job for 30 years or more, stand up. This is loyalty. This is loyalty. I don't, I don't say that to embarrass anyone. I don't say that to exalt our church higher than it should be. But I'm going to tell you, I've walked all over the country in the 37 years I've lived, and I'm looking and begging and to see that. And what I've seen in this room, what I've seen in this church, I haven't seen in a lot of places. So maybe we start off this message with a word of encouragement that there's a whole lot of loyalty demonstrated in this room. But I'm going to challenge you as well as encourage you as we walk through the book of Ruth. Because as much as loyalty is something that we long for and that we can demonstrate in our lives, we still struggle if we look deep enough at areas where loyalty is constantly being challenged. What we just saw there is a testimony that the world's looking for. 
And it's a testimony that we see here in the book of Ruth almost like any other book I've read. It is such a beautiful, beautiful testimony. You know, I believe that loyalty shines in the darkest hours of our lives. And some of you are walking into this room right now and your life's in a dark hour. I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're walking through this book of Ruth with me. So here's the big idea. As we look through the last part of chapter 1 of the book of Ruth, in one sentence, what I want us to put on our hearts and minds as we read this is this. At our darkest moments... The Lord often ministers to us through the comfort of loyal friends, reminding us He is always committed to His covenant people. I want us to stop and think about how God has providentially placed people in our lives the way that we'll see God placed Ruth in the life of Naomi to remind us that God is always committed to His covenant people. So if you have a Bible, please turn with me to the book of Ruth. Okay, the book of Ruth, we're going to again be in chapter 1, verses 7 through 22. If you do not have a Bible, please grab the pew Bible in front of you. We'll be on page 262 in your pew Bible, and if you would stand at this time, out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant word, His perfect and errorless word. Again, we're in Ruth chapter 1, starting in verse 7 and moving on to the end of chapter 1 and verse 22. Hear God's word to us starting in verse 7. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Verse 15. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. For where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem, And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Let us pray. 
Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this testimony that we're entering into now of Ruth. Unquestioned and unspeakable loyalty. A loyalty that is so rare it speaks to our hearts. A loyalty that shows us what we most long for. And certainly a loyalty that points us to the ultimate loyalty that you had for us through your son who is committed to us even unto death, death on a cross. Father, would you be with us and anoint the words that will come out of my mouth here in the next few moments, that all the honor and glory would be yours, that you would open up our hearts and minds to receive this truth and respond to it in repentance and faith, celebrating your loyalty to us and being willing to share this loyalty with others. Be with us now. Be in our midst. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I was studying this book, I've read Ruth many times. Again, I think many of you have as well. I've heard many of you have already gone through this Bible study at certain times in your life. It's a popular one. You know why? It's just a good story, and it's true, right? I mean, this is not fable. This is God's Word, but it's also just a beautiful, true story. And one of the things that I maybe never noticed before until I began reading this the other day again for the, I don't know how many times now, I began noticing there's so many correlations between Naomi and the prodigal son. Okay, most of you remember the parable of the prodigal son, and we, we read it in the Gospels. In the book of Luke, Jesus talks about this son who was wayward. He was, he was young, and he demanded that his inheritance be given to him from his father, and, which was unspeakable back then, so dishonorable to the father and to the family. But the father uh, honors his pledge and gives him his inheritance, and he goes and squanders it and comes crying back, and his father beautifully embraces him, and his older brother's not very happy with him, we see at the end of the story. Uh, that's the Bose standard version, by the way. But uh, just to get to the point, I want to take that thread of the prodigal son, and I want to weave that through the tapestry here, and I want us to see almost identically how Naomi's going through the same thing because Ruth is the one that's coming along for the ride. And we won't fully understand how significant her decision is until we put it in the context of the prodigal son. So as we get ready to kind of walk through the passage together, I want to say before we get to point one is that they're, they're shameful in heading back home again. All right, the people that they're going back to are the covenant people of God, the Israelites, all right, in Bethlehem of Judah. And these are people who stuck it out during tough times. And Naomi and her husband were the ones who bailed during tough times. And they fell flat on their face. Naomi's got nothing left. And she heard that God had once again restored Bethlehem and was kind to them once again and providing food for them in the fields once again. And so Naomi had that lightning bolt moment, the same thing that the prodigal son had when he was on his hands and knees in the pigsty looking at what the pigs were eating and saying, you know what, that looks pretty good. That looks pretty good. In fact, I may as well go home. I'd rather be my dad's servant than lay in this pigsty. Well, Naomi kind of had the same lightning bolt moment. There's nothing more for me in Moab. I have no food. Now I have no family. At least if I go back and crawl back to the people of Israel, maybe God will toss me a few crumbs in the harvest field. And so she decides to pick up her stuff and go. And she assumes, as we start here in verse 7, she assumes she's going to be going alone. But she assumes wrongly. All right, so as we think about this idea of loyalty, I'm going to look at four aspects of it real quickly in this passage. And as we start in verse 7, number one, I want us to see where loyalty is challenged. 
loyalty is challenged. Verses 7 through 9 says this. So she, meaning Naomi, set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, that was Moab, and they went to return to the land of Judah, that was Bethlehem. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to her house, her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Everything that just took place there is normal, and I would even use the word practical. Naomi expects that they're going to leave and go back to the house of their husbands. They're going to go back to Moab, back to where you know they married into, back to the gods that they used to worship. They're just going to go back to that life. And why, why wouldn't she think that? Because there's no benefit in sticking with her. She can, as we'll see further down in the passage, she cannot offer them more sons for marriage. And even, again, in the future passage we'll see in a second, she can, even if she were to conceive a child that night, it would still most likely be nine months before the child was born and then 18 years or so before the child was ready to marry the woman. So they're going to sit around for the next 20 years and just wait? And so Naomi's basically saying, go. It's okay. It's practical. It's right. I understand. I would expect for you to go. So the loyalty that Orpah and Ruth have for Naomi is challenged. All right, Naomi's challenging them, but not in the fact that she's wanting them to respond in faithfulness. She's challenging them in that she just expects that they're going to leave because it would be understandable and it would be right. And I think there's an assumption there that we all could take, and that is if you're truly loyal, you have to assume that your loyalty one day will be challenged. In every aspect of your life, when you pledge a commitment, that commitment will be challenged. Now, in the beginning of our time together, I mentioned all the, the, the spheres of our lives where we're looking for loyalty, but I'm going to narrow it down in the essence of time to just three areas in your life right now where maybe you've pledged to be loyal and you're going to be challenged if you haven't been already. Number one, in your marriage. All right, marriage will challenge you. I don't know if you know that. All right, there are times where your spouse is in disagreement. There are times where your spouse may be disinterested. And there may be times where your spouse has been unfaithful. And your loyalty will be challenged. And the question is, how are you going to respond? Can I tell you one thing? Because I, I would imagine this affects at least one, if not numerous, people in this room. God is a God of forgiveness. And I praise God for the restoration that he does in marriages. But I will also say this. I think there is a special reward in heaven for spouses who have been cheated on but have said, I'm not going anywhere. I will walk with you through this. Those type of people are loyal with a capital L and God is going to reward them in heaven in ways that I cannot even put into words. That's loyalty that's challenged, but the loyalty that stands up to the challenge. What about in our jobs? You know, the day that you enter into a job, you sign an agreement form, and, and everybody's excited, right? It's the beginning of a new race, and then all of a sudden, six months into it, you realize, I'm a sinner. My boss is a sinner. My coworkers are sinners. Do I really want to be doing this? Now, there are times I do want to say that God does call us from, to leave one job and go to another, but not nearly as much as we actually do leave our jobs. We pledged loyalty when we signed an agreement form, and then we stray when things get difficult. And then how about in our, in our church? This hits me right between the eyeballs. 
because I stand before you as someone who has a burning desire to stay in one place my whole ministry career. I really, I pray it's the Lord's will. Now again, just like our jobs, God may pick us up and plant us somewhere else. And every time I say that, someone says, you better be submissive to the Holy Spirit and not cling to the pew if God's calling you somewhere else. I, I, I pledge that, that I want to be that person. But I believe there are pastors and members who pick up and leave well before God ever intended for them to because the going got tough. Loyalty is extremely important. How are we going to stand up when our loyalty is being challenged by people who say or do things that we don't necessarily agree with? If you're loyal, you will be challenged. How you respond will show the depth of your loyalty. That's what we're being taught right now as Naomi tells Ruth and tells Orpah they can go home. That moves us on to number two, where loyalty is pledged. Loyalty is pledged. Look at verses 10 through 13. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for, to me for your sake to the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Basically, Naomi's making them count the cost. And isn't that, isn't that good and right? If we're going to have loyalty to something, we need to know the cost of what we're making a commitment to. That's what Naomi's doing right now. She's saying, you really want to go with me? You really want to go with me? I know what you said is nice and it made me feel all good inside, but let's look at this realistically, Orpa. Let's look at this realistically, Ruth. I'm not giving you more sons. You're not going to get married. You're going to have to walk into this new land with me, a land that does not, probably does not want to receive me. And why would they even want to receive you? You're not even an Israelite. I can't promise you anything. Why would you want to stay loyal to me? She spells it out in plain language. If you follow me, I can't offer you anything. And loyalty yet is still pledged. You know, I, I think, again, let's go back to the three things I mentioned before. Marriage, job, and church. I think part of the problem is, and I'm going to speak maybe to the younger crowd right now. When you walk into these three things, if you count the cost of what God expects for you in these. Marriage. How many, uh, you know, I, I don't want to beat up any specific generation. I think every generation has struggled with divorce rates, but they're getting higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. Do you know what you're walking into? Do you know how difficult it is? Do you realize God is not okay with you walking away? Till death do you part means till death do you part. I don't care how you feel about your spouse. I don't care what they've done to you. When you walk away from that, you're walking away from the blessing of God. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. People want their cake and they want to eat it too. When you're saying till death do you part, what you're saying is until you do something I don't agree with, until you're contrary to my lifestyle. God's word's the same now as it's ever been. He is as intolerable of divorce now as he has ever been, ever. When he says loyalty, he says till death. And that's what Ruth is saying in this passage we'll see in a minute too. She says, if I leave you before I die, let God deal with me. That's loyalty. And in our job, same way. Until God tells you to pick up and go somewhere else, honor your boss with everything you have, 
even when he or she doesn't even know you're at work. Because as it says in Colossians 3, it's the Lord ultimately you're serving. And then church, do you know what's required of you when you're called to volunteer and serve? You know, I I know this does not make Cedar Street unique, and I've already expressed my love and encouragement for the loyalty of this church. But do you know there are some of you in this room right now, you don't even realize it, but everyone sees you as someone who cannot be trusted. You will, you will inevitably raise your hand when it's time to sign up for something, and everyone automatically knows we better find someone else because when their name is called, they just ain't going to show up. And, and you laugh, but some of you completely think I'm talking about someone else. I'm talking about you. People in this room right now, you cannot be trusted to serve. And it's frustrating because what it is, it spits in the face of Jesus. It says loyalty is conditional. Loyalty is, is okay unless a week on the water is presenting itself. Jesus, I'll take you if I got nothing else going on. Loyalty. The kingdom of God is crying out saying, show it to me. I've heard you say it. Show it to me. Stick with something. Loyalty. You know, people get on my case about a prospective member class, but I'm going to tell you this. In eight weeks, when you take that class, there's one thing you'll know, what I expect and what this church expects, because you don't join this church on your terms. You join it on this church's terms. And after eight weeks, when I've turned a person around for a vote, I want to let you know, as your pastor, I've done everything I can to express to them that loyalty in this church is important. Some people take that seriously, and I'm so grateful for it. I've had some of my happiest times in the last two years have been in the sweetness of those prospective member classes. I wouldn't give it up for anything. I've just enjoyed getting to know people. But I'm telling you, we've got to get past this strange little Bible Belt tradition of jumping from church to church when the preacher says something you don't like or someone makes a decision you don't like, the color of the carpet's been changed, certain trees have been cut down. I don't care what it is. If God wants you to serve, you roll your sleeves up and you serve. and Stop making excuses. I should be able to look at it every face in this room now with the exception of those who are visiting and know five years from now everyone's going to be walking with each other unless God has called you to serve somewhere else. That does happen, but not all the time. So now that we've seen loyalty is challenged, we've seen loyalty that is pledged, Number three, as we continue in the passage, let's see where loyalty is revealed. Okay? This is where the rubber hits the road. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. I love this. If you have a high letter, just, just mark it up right here. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. I... I, You know, that's loyalty the world is begging to see. And look at, listen to how beautiful this is. All right? If if you go back in the passage and just look at uh, these responses, 
I mean, just over and over and over again, Ruth is just screaming from the mountaintops. She's not going anywhere. And she says, I'm not leaving. I will follow you. And if you look at verse 14, where it all starts off is Orpah kisses her mother-in-law, but Ruth clings to her. Here's what I believe. I believe that Orpah kissed her as a goodbye kiss. It was, it, was a, it was a demonstration of love, but it was also a demonstration that she was leaving. Orpah kissed her, but Ruth clung to her. She clung to her. You know, it's kind of like in my house on the weekends when, when I'm chasing after my daughter and, and, and she, she's looking at mama and she's like, mama better not get out of my sight. She's my meal ticket. She's my mama. I've nursed with her. She clothes me. She loves me. She sings to me. I don't want that woman out of my sight. And she will cling she will cling to Ashley, cling to her, and not let go. She will not let her out of her sight. Ruth's clinging and clinging and saying, I'm not, I'm not leaving. Uh-uh. She can kiss you. That's fine. I'm clinging. I'm not going anywhere. You know, here's what this says to me, and this is true of our lives today. What's true in a person's heart will come to the surface eventually. People will tell on themselves eventually. You know, in the, in the two years I've been a pastor, and the, my, my, my office door has been wide open, people coming in and out all the time, and a lot of people really complain or just a lot of times they just share their hurt when someone has disrespected them or said lies about them or deceived them. There are people that want to be affirmed, and what I want to say is this. What I tell them, I will say, say to all of you, people will tell on themselves after a while. You can deceive anybody for a season. You can tell anybody you want to tell them for a season, but your life will ultimately demonstrate what is in the depths of your heart in time. It will all come to the surface eventually. And so the question is, what's in the depth of your heart? When it is challenged, what's going to come to the surface? We see what comes to the surface with Naomi, and it is the pure definition of loyalty. I mean, real quickly, just listen to what she says, and then let me explain what she's really meaning by what she's saying. In verses 16 through 17, she says, where you go, I will go. She's saying, I'll go with you even if the people shame me as much as they shame you. Where you lodge, I will lodge. She's saying, even if I go somewhere where there's no food and we lay with no bed and we're staring at nothing but the stars, where you lay down, I'm going to lay down. Your people shall be my people. She's, I'm going to be an Israelite even if I'm never accepted as an Israelite. Your God shall be my God. This is the big one. She's leaving Moab and all the false gods that she grew up worshiping in Moab to follow the one true God who she doesn't yet know. And she says, you know what? If you worship this God, I'll figure out who this God is and I will worship him as well. In fact, that's an echo. If you look in the scriptures over and over and over again, God himself says, I will be your God and you shall be my people. You can find about 15 verses that say that all throughout the Old Testament. And then she says, where you die, I will die. That means there's no turning back. Where we start together, we finish together. And then finally, where you are buried, I will be buried. This is huge. She's saying, where you go and where they put you in the ground, I'm going to be next to you in such a way that no Moabite will even remember that I was around. There won't even be a gravestone to show that I lived on this earth. She's abandoning everything for Naomi. And guess what? Naomi knew she was serious. Because they didn't even get up and go yet. But yet, it says at the end of the passage there that basically she said, uh, when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. She didn't even have to get up and go yet. She saw in the eyes and the heart of Ruth, she wasn't going anywhere. I know the hour's getting long. I, I would just, 
I wanted to have a moment of testimony, I'll say quickly that, you know, in my life, God has providentially placed people that have shown that loyalty to me, and I believe this with all of my heart, God has shown that to you whether you have taken time to see it or not. I think about uh, Joel Hoger. Most of you in this room know Joel, our former youth pastor. Uh, I think of the ways he's come in and out of my life for the past 30 years and how he drove 14 hours through the snow to hear me preach that January of 2010 and decided to give his life to the Lord. I think about my friend Dean, who I met in the fifth grade, whose family was from Georgia. They're the ones that planted the seed for me to come here and go to college and how he's in the military. But even when he was serving in Iraq, he would, he would drive a half a day and, and, and use his own phone privileges to call me and wish me a happy birthday. I think of my friend Jim Long and Rocky Ford who would drive uh, six out, you know, four or five hours to Daytona Beach just to watch uh, a baseball game with me and drive all the way back the same night when he had work in the morning. Uh, and I think about my wife who uprooted everything she knew to, to go to seminary to support my career. Who, when we started dating, realized what she was getting into when I didn't even have a couch or a TV in my house. <laughs> Men, you want to marry a loyal woman Take out your couches and your TVs and everything you own when you start dating, and if she's still in it afterwards, you got to keep her. I promise you. But let me just say this. I guarantee God's put some of these people in your life too, but sometimes when, when times are tough, we enjoy self-pity, and we say, everyone's abandoned me. No one knows me. No one's been loyalty. Well, maybe in a short term, you've been deeply hurt by people, but let me just say this. If you truly look hard enough, you will see that God has put loyal people in your life. I guarantee he has. You have to look. Do you recognize it in your own life? And finally, in the last minute or two, I just want to say in verses 19 through 22 that loyalty is honored. All right? And instead of just reading the verses, I'm just going to respond by saying this. In the last few verses, we see that they finally got up and did go to Bethlehem. And when they got there, the crowd was stirred. All right, they got there, the crowd was stirred, and basically we see that Ruth made the commitment, and now we see kind of that prodigal son returning, much like the prodigal son, Naomi's coming into town, and the crowd is stirred up when she gets there. And, and people are wondering, why is the crowd stirred? Were they excited? Were they shocked? Or were they irritated? And what I want to say, just like the prodigal son, they were probably all three at one time. There were people who loved her that were probably celebrating that she had returned, there were people who were shocked that not only that she was coming back, but she was coming back without a husband and sons, and then with a couple of, or at least with one Moabite woman. And then there were people, much like the prodigal son, older brother, there were people who were irritated. Say, how dare you come home when things are good, when you took off when things were not so good. Just like the prodigal son, she had to walk back. And just like the prodigal son, she comes back in humility and admits that God is dealing with her. She admits that she is, or she feels that she is under the punishment of God for her disobedience. But what I love at the end of the passage, in verse 22, it says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And this last sentence sets the tone. If this was a miniseries on TV, this would be the best cliffhanger to get us into the third episode. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Dun, dun, dun. And that's the same cliffhanger that I'm going to leave you with here. But I am going to sum it up to say this. Let's not miss the humanity of this story of loyalty, but let's not also miss who it points to. 
As I sum it up, I would say we serve a loyal Savior who laid down his life for us so we could commit our lives to following him. You know, I love John 15, 13. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Now, not physically, but certainly spiritually, Ruth laid her life down for Naomi. She gave up every right she had as a Moabite woman and gave herself to Naomi. Jesus takes it a step further. He renounced his divinity. He set aside his godlike qualities to become one of us as a human in every way except without sin. And then he laid his life down for us on the cross. That is unspeakable loyalty. So if you can't even think of one person in your life who's been loyal to you, loyal to you in that way, you can at least look to the cross and think of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You can never say, Jesus, you don't understand. You can never say, God, you were not there for me. You can never point to a God and say, you don't understand loyalty because I've been loyal to you, but you've abandoned me. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and the promise is fulfilled on that cross. So as we enter into a time of invitation, what I would want to say is this. We're all at different spaces right now. Some of you are in the midst of marriages and you're in the midst of careers and you're in the midst of church life and we're figuring things out and some of these things are new. Maybe today's the day to pledge your loyalty. For some of you, you've been at it a long time and you've been hurt deeply by people you care about because guess what? With loyalty does not erase conflict. Conflict still comes with loyalty. Anybody who's been married 30 years in the same job for 30 years or at the same church for 30 years has experienced significant conflict. But maybe this is a place in the midst of the conflict to renew your loyalty. And maybe if you've not been loyal, this is a chance to pledge that once again. Maybe you haven't been loyal to God. Maybe you know that you've strayed and you've not honored Him with your life, even in the last couple weeks or months. Make it right with Him. And maybe you've never known God at all. There's an open invitation to you. God is loyal to His people. He's made a way for you to become one of His people. He loves you as part of His creation, but He does not yet love you as one of His children until you give your life to His Son who died for you so that you could live for Him. As we sing, you come. You can pray privately. I'd be happy to pray with you. If God is stirring your heart with something that you want to talk about, I'm easy to catch after the service, and I'm easy to catch during the week. But do business with God. He's loyal to us. And He is yearning for us to be loyal to Him. Let's pray. Father, you know, I want to end this service the way we started it. Brother Larry said it perfectly, that we are sheep, and sometimes we act like goats. And we've strayed from You. We've strayed in our thoughts. We've strayed in our words. We've strayed in our actions. And Father, you are good and loving and you will bring us back into the fold if we only would turn around and go home. Father, help us to come home. Help us to renew our loyalty, to pledge our loyalty, to see our loyalty through. And we give you praise, honor, and glory that you already have done that in your loyalty to us through your Son. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.